we've reached a turning point in Jonah. And there's a turning point in, in every single story or book or movie or whatever it is. You know, when, when the main character learns something or something happens and, and maybe they have a change of perspective or something like that. And the plot was headed this way. <clears throat> but then the turning point happens and it, it shifts a little bit. Or you're wondering, which way is it going to turn now? And that's where we are in Jonah. He's not in the belly of the fish. He's been vomited up. He's on the sand. You might say he's been given a brand new life. And so now the question is, what direction is Jonah going to go? Is he going to live out God's calling for him now? Let's find out in Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord <clears throat> came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king, of, the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust, all to recognize his sin. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. That's God's word. Now the answer to the question, what did Jonah do? Did he live out his calling? Did he obey God? It seems very clear from verse 3. I mean, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He did exactly what God told him to do. He went to Nineveh, which he didn't do before, and he proclaimed the message God wanted him to proclaim. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. The problem here is not the what. It's the why. It's the how. Now, no, uh, the, the point of every Bible story is not for us to try to pin the main character to the wall and figure out why they're wrong. That's not the point. But the overall goal of every part of the entire Bible is to point you in some way to Jesus. To point you in some way to your Savior, your rescuer, Jesus. And if you need to be rescued from something, and that's what Jesus did, we need to see in every part of the Bible somehow we need to see our sin and our guilt, which causes us to need to be rescued by Jesus. And this story, this story is no, no different. This section 
Now, sometimes when, when I'm preparing a sermon and, and trying to figure out how to show you your rescuer, Jesus, and, and then how to show you your sin, which makes you need a rescuer, sometimes it's easy. Because sometimes it's just in your face. It's the what. Like sometimes Jonah just runs in the opposite direction from where God told him to go. Or sometimes Jonah says a horrible prayer. It's narcissistic. It's selfish. That's what we heard last week. Sometimes, like next week, we're going to hear that Jonah, um, when God shows mercy and gives forgiveness and love to people of Nineveh, sometimes Jonah gets angry. Sometimes it's right there in front of you, the what is wrong. But sometimes, like here, Jonah seems to do exactly what God wanted him to do. The problem is not with the what. The problem is with the why and the how. But we could, spend, we could spend some time on the what here. We could dissect the sermon that he preached. We could try to figure out if it was good or if it was not so good. People, people have done that throughout history. Um, we could try to figure out, was this all that he said or were these words just a summary? Because in English, it's only eight words. In Hebrew, it's only five words. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Did he just come in, say his piece, drop the mic, and then get out of there? Or did he say more? Was it more nuanced? Did he actually tell the people why God was threatening destruction? Did he show them what they had done wrong? Did he actually have conversations with people? Or did he just go through the streets shouting this phrase over and over and over again? And more importantly, did he tell them more about who God is? Did he tell them not just that God demands perfection and that God is perfectly just, but also that God is full of compassion and forgiveness and mercy? Did he tell them all that or not? Different commentators throughout history, they lean both ways. At the end of the day, we, we don't know. And so we're not going to spend much time on the what today because that's, that's not the problem. The problem is the how he did it. The problem is the why. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Pastor. It was only four weeks ago when we were studying the Eighth Commandment and you told us, assume the best. Take people's words and actions in the kindest possible way. So, Pastor Nathan, how, what, he's, what he did looked good. How can you read into his heart? How can you say that, yeah, he went and he preached, but he was really wrong? How can you say that? And in general, if you say that to me, you would be completely right because in general, that is completely correct. Take people's words and actions in the kindest possible way. Don't try to read into their motives. Just take what they say or take what they do at face value and assume the best. In general, that's correct. But here, here Jonah, Jonah actually shows us his heart. It's not in chapter 3, but it's in the very first verse of chapter 4. Let me read those two verses. Jonah 3, verse 10, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Chapter 4, verse 1, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. There's your proof. There's your proof of Jonah's heart. He was not, he was not really into this thing. Probably the journey to Nineveh had taken him a month. 
And I don't know exactly what he was thinking. We can never know. But as he walked those 30 days to Nineveh and as he walked through the streets proclaiming this message, we know his heart was not in it because he did not want his message to have a positive result. He didn't want it to happen. He got angry when it happened. He was just doing it half-heartedly, doing it because he had to. Did he have care in his heart for the Ninevites? No, not at all. Put yourself in his shoes. He knew that the Lord would not let him not do it. That much was clear. He had been in the storm to end all storms. He had been tossed overboard. He had been eaten by a fish, but that wasn't the end. He was spit up on the land. He knew no matter what, he had to do this. And so that's what he did. But his heart wasn't in it. He was like the person, the, the guy who, who's a year away from retirement. And the most engaged part of the work they're the most engaged in is simply counting down the days till they're done. Or he was like the woman who feels like she's stuck in a marriage. And she knows it would be wrong for her just to say, I'm done. I'm divorcing him. But she thinks in the back of her mind, hopefully, hopefully he'll, he'll file on me. And then I can be out. And she's not carrying out her promise to love selflessly. She's, she's just half-heartedly done, even though the marriage isn't technically over. We could, we could go on and on. It's like the person who just comes to church because they feel like they have to. Maybe if you went to church as a kid, that was you. It was me sometimes. Or you're like the student who just does the work because otherwise the teacher's going to yell at them. They don't want that to happen. Or because they want their parents to be happy with them. Their heart isn't engaged. They're just doing it because they feel like they have to. And by the way, um, what I just said about people getting divorced, I am not speaking specifically to any of you. Just so you know. Um, I just want to make that clear. So, if you're nervous about something or you want to talk more, please do. But just know that loud and clear. That was a generality, not anything specific. Thanks for letting me say that. Now, for us, we all have callings just like Jonah. Sure, we're not called to be God's prophet to go to Nineveh specifically, but we have callings just like Jonah. And what I mean by that is we all have callings where it is easier to walk away in the opposite direction, where it is easier to disengage, easier to just think about ourselves. It's easier to go through the motions. And I'm, I'm not just talking about your neighbor who's a big jerk to you or to your coworker who, you know, it's easier to not be kind because your coworker is anything but kind to you. I'm not talking about the family member who you want to reach out to, but they want to have nothing to do with you. I'm not talking even about those people. I'm talking about the people who are closest to you, who you love and, and they love you, your family members, your friends, the people you live with in your own household. You're calling to them and it's easier to walk away or to be half-hearted. It's easier to just kind of disappear into Netflix 
It's easier to take your phone out of your pocket when you're around other people and just look at it and do whatever. It's easier. It is easier to be busy. Easier to be busy with something than to just be with someone. It's easier to walk away, to be apathetic, to be half-hearted. It's easier to get lost in ourselves, to just think about me. Um, to put it in Jonah language, it's easier to think that life would be better in Tarshish than it is in Nineveh. Easier to paint this beautiful picture of some land out there that just exists inside your mind. And as you're reveling in this land that is inside your mind, it's easy to miss the plot of ground, the land that is right in front of you. It's easy to think that the grass is greener just about everywhere else, anywhere else. But as one of my seminary professors said, the grass is greener where you water it. And you've got 40 more days to do that watering. The days won't last forever. The people you love, they won't be around forever. They're here for 40 more days. Moses told us in Psalm 90, he said, teach us, well, we asked God through Moses, teach us to number our days. You want to live every day focused? You want to live every moment like it's the last you want to see the people around you like you haven't seen them before? You want to do your work like you haven't really worked before? Forty more days, Jonah says. That makes every moment, every day, pregnant with purpose and meaning. Forty more days. But you've got to know this. Forty more days, it wasn't Jonah's message. No, Jonah 3 says it was the word of the Lord. And it is frankly mind-blowing what is not included in this word of the Lord. Do you see what wasn't there? There's no condemnation from God towards Jonah. Think about what had just happened, the whole first part of the book. Jonah ran in the opposite direction, he said a horrible prayer, and then a fish ate him and then spit him out on the shore. And God, God doesn't utter a word of condemnation. He doesn't drag out his sins and parade them in front of Jonah. God just shows Jonah mercy and he continues to use Jonah. He sends him to Nineveh again. He didn't wait for Jonah to be good before he did this either. God didn't look into Jonah's heart, see that Jonah had really changed and that now he loved the people of Nineveh and his attitude was much better and then God said, okay, I'll give you another chance. I'll love you and I'll send you again. No, We've seen very clearly Jonah's heart had not changed. It was still evil. It was still rotten. He was only doing the right things because he thought that he had to. He was doing them half-heartedly and he, he didn't even want the wonderful results to come because he got angry when they did. And believe me, there's nothing better than when God's word works and you see the result of someone who used to hate God now love God Jonah saw that happen, and he got angry. But God still showed mercy to Jonah, and he still used him. And God does the exact same thing with you and with me. God doesn't drag your sins out and parade them and hold them out to you anymore. 
He doesn't bang you over the head with what you did yesterday or how you were apathetic this last week, even with the people you loved, how you just went through the motions. He doesn't do that at all. He doesn't do it at all because all those things, all those attitudes that you and I have had, they are gone. Some of you probably remember a few weeks back when I told the story of the woman who had had an abortion and she met a guy and she was going to get married to him and, and she went to her pastor and she said over and over, I just, I just can't bring it up to him. I'm nervous about what he's going to say. And they went through a little one-on-one -on -one worship service and she confessed her sin and he pronounced forgiveness, God's forgiveness. And then she said, I think I can go tell him now. And the pastor just said, what abortion? God has taken it all away. God shows you and me mercy. He doesn't bring up our past sins and, and hang them over our head as threats. No, all the threats are gone. Not because Nineveh was overthrown, not because Jonah was overthrown, because they weren't, but because the greater Jonah was overthrown. Jesus, with a heart full of love for you, left Tarshish, came down to Nineveh, and he was overthrown. His life was destroyed under the burden of my sin and your guilt. He was overthrown so that you never, ever would be. So now you are free. You are free from fear of threats. Like, we can do better than the king of Nineveh. He said this, he said, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. He said, who knows? Who knows? I know. You know. God, it's not just that he may relent. He did relent. You will not perish. He has turned from his anger and he has shown you compassion. And so you are free. Free from a life where you think your calling and your work here on earth is in any way tied to how God thinks of you. Whether you're a great servant or a poor one, it doesn't change what God thinks of you because he doesn't base his thoughts about you on how well you follow what he says to do. You are free from all the threats. All his threats got swallowed up in Jesus. So you're simply free to live out your 40 days embracing your callings, not walking away, not being half-hearted, not doing it because you think you have to. You are free to go all in to every single one of your callings because God has called you his own. You are free to see the land right in front of you. And you've got 40 days to do it. 40 days to water that grass. 40 days to love those people. 40 more days. So let's get to it. God bless you as you do. Amen.